Uh, so we're in the book of the Revelation, and last week we got three verses under our belt. We're going we're gonna to shatter that record here. We're going to get four today. Um, but there's a lot, and I um, next week I'm I'm going to I'm, I'm hopefully going to go through from verse eight all the way to verse twenty. You get twelve verses, so it depends what it is. It really depends on how fast you can move. And I'm going to tell you, chapter two and three are going to take seven weeks between the, uh, the two of them. We'll take one church per week, and I think that is moving kind of fast. I've had friends who've done it like you know, two per week, and they still felt like they're moving at a really, really rapid pace. So there you have it. Let's pray. Let's just jump right in. Our Father, our God, as we look to your holy word, we pray a blessing on it. We want to, um, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. We want to experience him afresh and anew in a significantly, in a way that we haven't seen him before. And we pray you show up and, and teach us. And um, just tell us the things we need to know. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I say the things we need to know. I think we need to know all of it. But but it's not exhaustive. And I don't teach Scripture exhaustive. You may be exhausted. I mean exhaustively like everything that can be said will be said. No. No. Um. But we're trying to get some things, you know, a few things that we can hang our hat on, a few things that kind of get us to move in a certain direction. And I just, you know, I read this and I study this and I pray. And I, I really know a lot about uh, Revelation. I mean, I really do. And if I give you like everything I know, and I'm not trying to brag about that. I, I, we can really gum it up with a lot of, but I'm just trying to like, you know, fresh, what, what's the Spirit speaking to me? And I'm trying to like, you know, determine that and teach like from that. So I'm going to read the first chapter. We'll get the reading blessing right away and the hearing blessing right away. And the keeping blessing, well, that's, that's a matter of, you know, individuals. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from his from, and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever amen behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, 
I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see is, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and be, being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed the garment down to his foot, and, his, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in their furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the key of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Okay, that's our, our reading of the scripture today. Now, um, by the way, uh, you're saying uh, we should teach in the spring when the weather's better. We're going to teach it probably four seasons because it, it's. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be like. I don't know, thirty-ish, forty weeks, ish. There's twenty-two chapters, right? So I'm, if I'm three chapters, you know, so uh, this is three, seven, ten. I'll be chapter the end of chapter three, and we'll have we'll be ten weeks in. You know what I mean? Four and five; those aren't like one week each. So. You know, a lot of these, it's going to be like what it's going to be. I'll say that. And then I have an abbreviated time, which I'm mindful of that the time's ticking right now because we're only meeting for an hour now instead of the traditional hour and a half during this COVID season. So, you know, uh, we, we'll teach less. Like if I were teaching for an old hour last week, maybe I would have got all the way up to verse 7. So, But let's, let's just jump right in. And I'm not going to uh, uh, do anything as far as like uh, go back over the last three verses. Just one point, just one thing to say. This is written unto his servants, which tells us a lot. Because I don't understand Revelation. Well, are you his servant? And if you're not, why not? And anyone in this room been around long enough that, you know, that should have been sewed up long time ago. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that we don't understand. Another, it makes very, very many allusions to the Old Testament. Uh, can I give you an example? Uh, verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. Uh, this, that's an Old Testament allusion. Anyone know it? Well, see, that's one of the things. So if you, if, you, if you get it, if you understand that, if you know where that's found, that's very helpful. Um, we're going to make a couple of uh, leaps back into the Old Testament here this morning as we look at these things. So that's two reasons why people have a, a, a lot of, oh, it's the hardest book in the Bible to understand. I understand what you're saying. In some ways, that's correct. In other ways, one, it's maybe not written to you. Another, And the other problem is we don't know the Old Testament. So those are some of the reasons why I think we're, we're, we get 
bogged down a little bit when we try on our own to read it. Now, verse 4, John, is written by John. Any questions? You know, in Second John, Third John, the elder, you know, unto uh, the elect lady, uh, John, uh, the, the elder, unto Gaius. And everyone says, oh, yeah, John, we get it. We, we totally understand. All you had to do is say the elder. <laughs> that 90-year-old guy, yeah, he, he's the elder. We, we, we totally understand. Um, there's not, there was early on some debate about who wrote this, but not, not serious, not real, not built on anything substantial. There's not one Bible commentator that I know that I hold in regard that has any question as to the, uh, the, um, the, the basic fact that John wrote this. And it's John, John, uh, the apostle whom Jesus loved. John, the youngest of the disciples, we know that because he was at Jesus' right hand at the Passover Seder. That's the place reserved for the youngest. Uh, he's the one who leaned on his breast at the at the at the supper. Uh, he's the disciple who whom Jesus loved, according to John. Nobody else calls him that, but I don't. I wouldn't argue it because if I would say, you know, uh, Adam, the pastor whom Jesus loved, well, who could argue that? And of course, he does. That doesn't mean he loves me exclusively, or he loves me better than all the other pastors. But if I said, you know, Jesus loves us, loves me, loves you, I think we're on pretty solid ground. Anyway, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, he's addressing this to seven churches. You know, Paul starts out, Paul, to the church at Rome. Paul, uh, to the church uh, at Philippi. And we understand who it's from and who it's to. John's writing to the seven churches which are in Asia, okay? And this is the first time we see the, the number seven. Let's address first churches in Asia, and let's go back and regroup and, and investigate seven. When he says Asia, we think of like, you know, Tibet, Japan, you know. Uh, no, uh, Asia Minor, and it would be the Roman province, what's today the western two-thirds of Turkey, in and around there. And these seven churches, you can find them on a map now. They're, it's an old postal route, and it makes kind of like a little semicircle, kind of. And they're all about 50 miles-ish apart, plus or minus. And he calls it the seven churches. And he lists them in... And this is the order you'll find them, too, uh, if you're doing a postal route. Ephesus... Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Now, everyone's heard of the church of Ephesus, and you haven't heard of any of these other churches unless you understand the book of the Revelation. Uh, with, and these aren't like the biggest churches. They're not the most important churches, but they're the seven churches. You say, well, what's seven about them? Why those churches? Why is uh Jesus putting a message to those churches specifically as a but where's the church of Jerusalem? Where's the church of Rome? Well, how about Antioch? Antioch is the the base church for the missionary effort. Uh where's where's Philippi? Where's Thyatira? Well Thyatira, so I meant that was Thessalonica. Where's and why these churches? And I'm gonna tell you, and this is speculative, not in my thinking, but this is debated that these churches lay out the entire church history. In that case, they're a seven. It's a complete... It's, Ephesus is the church of the apostolic age. 
Uh, the last four churches, specifically Laodicea, is what Jesus is going to find when he returns. And if they were put in any other order, that wouldn't be true. And so we'll talk about that. The last four churches will still exist, and I can show you that scripturally, I think, when Jesus comes back. All these churches, uh, every church has elements of Ephesus and elements of Thyatira and elements of Pergamos and elements of Laodicea. Is there lukewarm believers in every church? Yeah. Uh, there are churches where uh, people have left their first love. Yes. Uh, there are churches uh, that have a, a Jezebel spirit in them. Oh, of course. You're saying, what's that? We'll get there, okay? But I'm saying that all these elements are in all churches. But I think very specifically, it lays out the, the history of the church in advance. And again, that's speculative. Hey, you know, what I want, what I want everyone to do is do your own study. If you do your own study, if you're reading in the book of the Revelation, like during the course of the week, you say, that, what Adam said sounds a little outlandish. I want to check and see if that's right. Even if you don't come up with the same ideas that I've come up with, I will count it all joy that you were studying and trying to come to some conclusions and you were taking the Bible seriously, and you were actually studying it. Um, what I would do was, is read the entire book of the Revelation during the course of the week. Uh, don't sigh or break my heart. It'll take you like a half hour. It's not uh, 40 minutes if you read. It's not a big, I'm not asking for like, and that's like, you know, break it up over the course of, you know, three chapters a day and, one day you're going to have to read four chapters. You figure it out or something, you know, or or like maybe just read, uh, you know, five chapters a day and just keep, you know, every day move it forward. Like day one you read verse, I mean, chapter one through five. Day two you read six. However you want to do it. If you're constantly reading it, constantly looking at it, that is going to, you're going to understand some things right off the bat and you're going to see how it fits together and how it's like joined. Uh, I think uh, one of the problems is we don't read it, okay? And, and, and that'll be very, very helpful. And then, you know, do a deep dive. You know, take, take a, a, a chapter at a time or a verse at a time or a paragraph at a time and figure some stuff out. The helps out there are like myriad, myriad. YouTube is a, is a resource. You've got to be a little careful. I'd travel towards Calvary Chapel, but they're not. They, look, at there was truth way before Chuck Smith showed up, okay? Uh, uh, but make sure it's a good, solid, you know, a lot of people do a lot of crazy things with the book of Revelation. So just, like I say, and the, the study helps. How many of you guys have, have discovered Blue Letter Bible? So you, you get on Blue Letter Bible, you're at Revelation chapter 1, and you press the screen, and it is a drop-down menu, Concord, uh, uh, not concordance, um, huh? Commentary. And you press commentary, there's another drop-down menu. It's got Chuck Smith, it's got David Guzik, it's got a lot of uh, uh, commentary that you can listen to and a lot of commentary you can read. Just a, so I think like going online and learning some of this stuff, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. It's just so many things coming at you. Um, it used to have to be that you'd, uh, you know, take your dinosaur to a place called the library, and you'd have to get these dusty volumes and flip pages, and and that, that that's a day. Those days have passed. You you know, you, there's the resources available for. It. Well, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. There's no reason not to. 
Now, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace from, uh, from him which is and which was and which is to come. Um, grace and peace, let's not spend all our time there. We get it, okay? This church gets it, all right? Now, from him which is and which was and which is to come. Now, it's going to address the whole triune Godhead here. And uh, him who which, which is and which was and which is to come is God the Father, okay? Um, it's, I'm told, and I'm not a Greek scholar, like in my reading this morning from David Gusick's commentary, it's very clumsy in the original Greek. John's trying to say it's from him who was, him to, who is, and his who's to come, Yahovah. And he's saying it in a way that, you know, people of the day would understand that. And he's talking about Father God here. Um, I like the fact that God is and was and is to come. Is God, yes. Was God, yes. God was when he saved me. He's the God of the now. He's the God of the past. He's the God of the future. He lives outside of time. That's why he can call shots and before they happen. He's, 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 it's hard for us to think about outside of time. Think about like above a parade and think about like us in, in, on the sidewalk. This is a very clumsy, but I, I, can't, I don't have a better one. So at, at, you're at the, on the sidewalk. As the parade comes by, you see the, the floats, the, the marching bands, the, the, you know, the different aspects of what you can see as it, as it passes in front of you. Someone from up above could see the, you know, the beginning where the staging area, the ones who haven't left the staging area. You can see the whole parade, you know. And think about that like God in the sense that he sees the, he sees what, what was. He sees what is. He sees what hasn't even happened yet. That's why he, when he calls his shots, he never misses because he's outside of time. And he looks into the, the stream of time and he can see what hasn't even happened yet. Now don't think of this as a fatalist kind of way. Well, you know, I'm kind of locked in. God saw that I was going to make these stupid choices, and what can I do? You know, it's kind of like, no, he saw what your free choice was going to result in. If you made a stupid choice, don't blame God on that. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I murdered somebody, for instance. Well, he had a commandment saying, don't do that. And if we entered into murder on our free will, and God knew that we were going to do that, don't blame God for that it happened, okay? Just because God sees things doesn't mean that, they're, like I say, they're locked in. We're creating his image. He's free. We're free. He's a, he's a being who makes choices. We're beings who make choices, okay? So let's just understand that right from the beginning. Grace and peace from him which is, which him who was and is to come. Like I was saying, I love the fact about that. Back when I got saved, he was the God who was. And he looked at me and he said, this is the most ridiculous human being I know. I think I'll save him. He knows who I am now. Does he say, does he, is he upset with me? Does he hate me? Is he all, oh, I can't believe this guy. He said, he'd never leave me or forsake me. He looks at me and he sees me in glory. He calls things that are not as though they were. He understands what I'm going to be eternally. And I will tell you this. I'm not what I, I should be. I'm certainly not what I used to be. 
but I'm not yet what I am going to be. And glory, hallelujah, that's true of all of us. We're, 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 God will get us there. He, he's determined. Jesus makes the bows to the Father. I haven't lost any of all the ones you've given me, except, you know, the son of perdition. Story for another time. But I'm not the son of perdition. I'm still writing Jesus' hand. He can make that boast about you and me to the Father. You gave them to me. I saved them. I kept them. Here they are. I delivered the goods, so to speak. Uh, grace and peace from him who is, him who was, his, uh, um, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Big debate over this one. I like Isaiah chapter 11, and I'll show you there. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11. Speaking of Jesus Christ, verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his, out of his uh, roots. Who's it talking about? It's talking about Jesus Christ. Um, the, the rod out of the stem of Jesse. Who's Jesse? What's David's dad? It would be Jesus' great, 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 many great grand, granddad, right? Jesus is the branch. Uh, you ever read uh, in Matthew, he shall be called a Nazarene? And people say, oh, and they point to Numbers chapter 6, see, Jesus is a Nazarite. Jesus is not a Nazarite. One of the things about Nazarite, they can't have any, any wine, any grapes, any raisins, any. And people say, well, you know, the wine that Jesus drank wasn't really wine. That was grape juice. Mm, okay, still, you can't, if you're a Nazarite, you can't have grape juice. And you're going to be separated from dead people. Jesus wasn't separated from dead people. He goes up to a a, a beer. They got that the widow of Nain's son. They're leading him out. They're going to bury him. And he does he have a, a separation from dead? No. No. I mean, he he touches dead people. They they resurrect, but he's not separate from them. Jesus isn't a Nazarite. What it means, what Matthew means, is he's going to be a branch from Branch Town. And when it says here, you see the uh, branch, and if you get a King James, capital B, it's talking about Jesus Christ. He's a branch from Branchtown, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, verse 2 is what I wanted to get to. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, many, if you, if you check this online, and he's a Calvary Chapel pastor, more than likely they'll say, well, this, this isn't that. This isn't what they're referring to in Revelation chapter 1. And they'll go to say couplets, 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 couplets. I hear couplets, couplets, couplets. It's like one of those, there's three sets of couplets here. And that's what the, I get couplets. And they're exactly correct. There are three sets of of, of, of pairs, okay? The spirit of counsel and might, one. The spirit of, uh, wait, I missed one. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, one. The spirit of counsel and might, two. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And since they're couplets, that's, Three pairs, so that's six. It starts out with the Spirit of the Lord. That's seven. You say, well, no, it's not, it's not, it's not saying that. In the heat. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, can I give you an example? We'll, we'll go back here. And you don't have to turn here if you don't want. But in Numbers, I mean in Exodus, chapter uh, 25, it's talking about the, what we would call the menorah. In King James, the candlestick. How cute is that? Because it's not a candle. It doesn't. It's it's oil. It's a lamp, and it, it's not like made of wax with a wick. That hasn't 
been around yet. But this is, um, uh, uh, as, we, as we would think about it, uh, a, a lamp, a lampstand. Thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft, his branches, his bowls, his knobs, and his flowers shall be of the same. Talking about the decorations in most parts. Verse 32, and six branches shall come out of the side of it. Three branches of the candlestick on, on one side and three branches of the candlesticks on the other side. So you got three branches, couplets, three pairs of couplets, okay? And you have the one main, uh, but that should, don't, don't ever show me a, a, a six-branched menorah. That's ridiculous. But this is all through Scripture. And by the way, you're saying, well, what is that going to do with the sevenfold spirit of God? Well, I think it's obvious. The menorah is the light in the tabernacle. Jesus came and he tabernacled among us. The light is the is a picture of light, of illumination of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, who shall lead us into all truth. All these things are connected all throughout Scripture. Did you ever hear Jesus say, "I am the branch, and you, you, I'm the vine, you're the branches"? Okay, more than six branches to be sure, but that one main, and, and there's a total of, and picture it that way. However, it helps in your mind. Okay, so I think that I think uh, Isaiah is talking about, let's go back to Isaiah, is talking about that, exactly that. And the Spirit, and, and see, this is why I think sometimes, if we, if you can't find it, in the Old Testament, like I don't know what it's talking about. You know what I mean? Because so someone, someone says here, what do you mean the seven spirits of God? Well, it's, it's sevenfold, and remember the idea of seven. He can say seven churches, he just said, all the churches. This is seven. There's a lot more than seven. But he uses seven symbolically for the whole, the entire, all. Like, you know, the lamb will have seven horns, seven eyes. Lambs don't have horns. This one does. Seven, seven of them. That's kind of a funky-looking lamb. Horns are a symbol of power. Seven is all. So that's the shorthand for all powerful. What are eyes? We use, used to see. You used to understand things. Well, I see, we say. I understand, right? Seven eyes. Isn't that all understanding or all knowing or all seeing? You get that, right? So seven is all John to all the churches. And now what's before the Lord? The seven spirits of God. Say the seven Holy Spirits? No, that's all the Holy Spirit, the whole, the entire. Okay, and, and it's He's the Spirit of the Lord, first and foremost. And by the way, you're saying, well, this is talking about, this here in Isaiah is obviously talking about Jesus Christ, not talking about the Spirit of God. Oh, the Holy Spirit, you mean the Spirit of Christ? Like, like these things can be divided up so finally that, no, it doesn't work like that. Look. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Is that true of Jesus Christ? Yes. Is that true of the Holy Spirit of God? Well, of course. Is the Holy Spirit, uh, is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of the Lord? Well, of course. And He's the Spirit of wisdom and the Spirit of understanding, which is really good because He can lead us into wisdom and He can lead us into understanding. Is, it, is He the Spirit of counsel and might? Can this be said of the Holy Spirit of God? Yes. Can it be said of Jesus Christ? Yes. He's the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Is this the truth about Jesus Christ? Well, yes, it is. This is the truth of the Holy Spirit. Again, yes. Back to Revelation. We're not making good time, and I understand that. I'll go faster. The seven spirits. Now, some people say this is 
like the seven spirits, like these are the spirits. They're like spirit beings, like angels. Uh, but no, I think he's talking about God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. So I think it's a, it's a, this is a nod to the triune Godhead. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. That's kind of threefold. I think that's also a hint at the Trinity. Jesus Christ. Now here we have Jesus Christ for the last time until chapter 22. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's not in the book anywhere. Well, he is. He's just not called Jesus Christ. We know him most as Jesus, the Savior. But this is his revelation. We're going to know him in ways that we haven't known him before. It's this unveiling of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the important part. He's Jesus Christ here. He's the faithful witness. What's a witness? Well, I saw this, and let me tell you what happened. I witnessed it. I saw it. I was an eyewitness, okay? Jesus' witness. Now, the word is machuros, and it comes to mean martyr. Is that true of Jesus Christ? Of course, he was a martyr. But I think he's here. He's, he's speaking specifically of, listen, you know, he comes over and he says, I, let me tell you how it is. In my father's house are many dwelling places. Hey, if it wasn't so, I'd tell you. I'm, I, I'm not lying to you. I'm Jesus Christ. I don't lie. You know, Satan, he lies. Me, I tell the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. I love truth. It's, it's what sets you free, right? It's hard to know sometimes because there's a cacophony of voices that won't tell you the truth. Jesus, oh, he's the faithful witness. When he says it, isn't it so? Of course it is. Can we take it to the bank? More than that, it's, you know, banks fail. Jesus never fails. He's Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead. You say, well, wait a second. Other people, I know for a fact, Jesus raised people from the dead. How is he, how is he the first begotten of the dead? Jesus... Oh, reanimated people. Can I put it that way? So uh, the, the widow of Nain's son, we mentioned him. Is he running around somewhere that I, we don't know about? The 2,000-year-old guy running around here anywhere? Not so as you'd notice. Is Lazarus still alive? Is Jairus? By the way, what a bummer. You know, you have to die twice. Wow, man, I didn't like it the first time. Now i got to die again. Uh, so Jesus was the first begotten of the dead. Now, there's two ideas here. He was the first one who was raised and stayed raised, okay? After his resurrection, he didn't die and go to heaven. He ascended into heaven. And by the way, he took Adam's genes and chromosomes, and for the first time ever, there's a human being in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father. This is, this is magnificent. This blows my mind. You think, God the Father, wow, Jesus Christ, you know, he was God, became man. But that was the door that slammed behind him. He didn't go back to being divinity in the sense of like, before he was incarnate, was he a human being? You're going to argue, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he was a human being eternally. He's a human being now. And at the right hand of God sits the adoration of myriads of angels, and all of the church for all time sits a human being. Now, I didn't say he's not divine. Don't, don't go there. He's 100% God and 100% man. And when he became man, he didn't, he didn't turn back from, he's still a man. Anyway, 
He's the first begotten of the dead, and he's the prince of the kings of the earth. And that gives me, listen, what's the, what's the outcome of this election? Well, let me tell you what the outcome is going to be. Uh, I got a word from God. Jesus Christ is the prince of the kings of the earth, and I don't care who the president is. Now I have a vested income in the outcome of every election. We live in America. And my, at 61, I'm thinking, you can have it. Sometimes I just think, I'm not even playing anymore. I'm not even participating. But I got kids, and I got grandkids, and I love you people. And, and I, don't, I don't want to just say, hey, you can have But at the end of the day, you know what gives me great, great comfort? We'll survive this if God wants us to survive it. He's the king of the princes of the earth. You think, you know, you're you're reading the Bible stuff, and we just finished Daniel last week in our reading, right? He's he's living and loving and serving the Lord at a time and a place where there's a king called Nebuchadnezzar, who's an antichrist type, and we'll see that when we get to chapter 13. He's one of the clearest antichrist types. He makes this image of himself, and you better bow down. You better worship it, mister, or you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Uh, sounds like any, anybody you know in Revelation 13. So he's a clear antichrist type. And David, uh, David, uh, and Daniel is, 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 is living for the Lord in such a situation. Do you know, uh, when Paul tells us in Romans that we're to be um, you know, obey those who have the authority over us. And he mentions governments and those in authority and kings and things like that. The king at that time is a guy named Nero. And Paul's perfectly content to tell us, hey, listen, obey the king. So you can extrapolate that. And who's the president? Uh, whoever, whatever the Supremes decide, and however that all works out. But let me tell you how it works. Jesus Christ is the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, i got to, look, let me tell you something about Jesus. He loves us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. <laughs> Come on. All right. He, if he doesn't do anything else for us ever, is that enough? Yeah, for me, thanks. I was... I was, I was so going to hell. Thanks. Thanks for saving me. Thanks for being Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the rescuer. Thank you. He loves us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests. Wait a second. Wait, wait. What? Later on in the book, in chapter 5, there are people who are seated around the throne and they are kings and priests. And they are, there's, there's a, a discussion over the pronoun there, okay? Some say it's, he's made men, kings, he's made this, he's a them, and there's us, and there's a, we'll get there, okay? And I don't want to derail our study now. There's every copy of the book of the Revelation, there's no debate here. He has made us kings and priests. Remember, we've had this discussion before. These kings are from the tribe of Judah, Priests are from the tribe of Levi. You say, well, what if somebody from Judah marries somebody from, well, it's the, it's the father that determines the bloodline, so it's not like half and half. You know, if a, if a king line married somebody who's uh, Levitical and had a son, he would be a king. He wouldn't be a Levite. He wouldn't be a priest. 
There's only three people in all of Scripture who are kings and priests. Jesus Christ himself. He's our high priest. Is Jesus Christ king? He's the king of the whole earth. He's king of kings and lord of lords, as we're going to see here later. Not later today, but later in this book. So he, he's, he's king and priest. And then there's this character named Melchizedek, who when, when Abraham comes and he, he beats all the kings around him and he's coming back with the spoils, this guy named Abraham meets him and uh, Abraham pays a tithe to this guy who he's, he's the priest of Salem and he's the king of Salem. So he's a priest and a king. And the writer of the Psalms and then later on the writer of Hebrews makes a big deal of this, the fact that he's both king and priest. He's a picture or a type or maybe very Jesus Christ himself, but most everyone will agree he's a type of Christ, okay? If not Christ in a pre-incarnate form, that's the subject for debate. Let's not chase that, go down that rabbit hole. So we have Melchizedek, we have Jesus Christ himself. Who's the third? You and me. You and me. He's made us kings and priests. What, is, what do priests do? Well, they stand between God and man and, and, and they, they bring them together. They, they represent man to God and they represent God to man. We're, we have both of those functions. You ever pray for anybody? Oh, you did priestly duty. Did you ever like represent? Did you? Yeah, we're we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Of course, we represent. But I hope I hope like me, you're praying that you represent well. I always want to show people what God's really like. I hope you take it seriously because because we never do it perfectly. But I hope we do it at least somewhat. You know what I mean? That we're really trying to. So we do the priest function. Right now, are you doing the king function? Not really, so much. You're the king's kids. And there's going to be a time when we rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Jesus Christ, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And what are we? We're going to have part in that administration, that governorship. Some. How's that going to work? I, 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 don't, I don't know. If he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, isn't his bride the queen of the whole earth? I just throw that out for you. Does she have some sort of reigning power? You, you know, you get the queen all upset at you. It ain't going to be a good day. I just, we'll rule and reign with it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. But kings and priests. Hallelujah. I think it's a wonderful thing. He's made us kings and priests under God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's a doxology. His whole section's a doxology. Once he says grace and peace... The rest of it's all doxology. It's all praise to God. He's talking about who God is, who the Spirit of God is, who Jesus Christ is. And it's all a doxology. And it ends with praise, glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, let's look at this last verse. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Uh, those. Is this his second coming? I think so. Is, he, is this coming for his bride? I don't think so. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. You can see that in the, in the Gospels, and we can see that in the book of uh, Zechariah. Um, and you can go there or not. And I was hoping I'd be able to find it really quick. And it says, if I can't, I'm going to. And it says, and they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And um, does anyone have that right, like, 
from that. Um, um, okay, from verse 7, does anyone have a gloss which tells you that verse? Because I knew it and then I forgot it. And I, didn't write, I didn't write stuff down. Does anyone have it? What? That sounds about right. No. No. Anyway, okay, you can look that up yourself. So now you have homework, okay? I just did. Ah, okay, I was in, uh, I was, I was looking at the 11.10. 12.10. I will pour upon the house of David. By the way, this is, I, I, I will establish this as Jehovah God speaking, Father God as we would think. I will pour uh, upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. This is just when everyone's surrounded Jerusalem. This is Armageddon, okay? And at that time, God's saying, I'm pouring out my spirit. Will God save Israel? Yeah, yeah. Romans 9, 10, and 11. Significant, okay? It's like loosely the past, the present, and the future of Israel, if you read through that. God says, I'll save Israel. Is God done with Israel? No. I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. This is Jehovah God speaking. We say, wait, 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 what, what? When did they pierce Jehovah God? Well, about 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary, and in the gospel writers make much of that, and they point to that and this verse, and they're connecting the dots and saying, when they killed, when they pierced Jesus Christ, they pierced Jehovah God. Look, uh, um, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it talks about, you know, they stare at me, they, they, they can count all my bones. And it says, they pierced my hands and my feet. You wonder what David was going through to make him write something like that. But it's a, it's a prophecy, first person from the cross. Incredible. Any of you guys familiar with Isaiah 53? You should be. I read it here often enough. Um, you know, where it's talking about who hath believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. And then it talks about the suffering of Jesus Christ all the way through that. You know, how he was numbered with the transgressors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all the way through that, that whole section. All in the Old Testament is the crucifixion, the suffering of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's fraught with it. Because that shouldn't surprise us. Jesus said, you search the scriptures, you think in them you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. In the volume of the book it is written of me. Well, here we have it. Uh, I will pour out the, upon the house of David the inhabitants of the spirit of grace and supplications. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. What? This tells us that he's coming with the clouds and every eye shall see him and they also who pierced him. He, they're going to wake up one day and they're going to reach out to shake an unfamiliar hand and they're going to find it nail pierced. And what's going to be the outcome of that? And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. When, 
Jesus comes back. Are you going to wail? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're going to do a jig. I think you're going to be... It's going to happen pretty quick, right? So you've got to get ready to dance real quick because, I mean, sound of a trumpet. I think you're going to hear Adam come up here. I'm hoping... I'm with Susan. I'm hoping we'll hold hands at that time because I just want to go up to the ionosphere together at like a breakneck, a rate of speed holding hands. I think that would be just so cool. And if not, I'll say, hey, I'll see you up there, okay? We'll kind of hang out. We'll, we'll find you. It'll be, it'll be good, right? Uh, that, that's how I hope it's going to happen. Will we wail? I don't think so. Jesus is coming back to judge the earth, to set up his kingdom. People have been against him. They've accepted the mark of the beast. They've shaken an angry fist at God, and they keep cursing him for all the things that are happening. Will they wail? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't have any joy saying that. Some of those people might have my last name. This causes me no joy whatsoever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna follow you. I'm not gonna get saved. I'm not gonna do it the way you've prescribed. You're gonna do it my way. You're gonna bow to me. This is how it's gonna, and no, no. And he's coming back. And people who, who pierced him. Who's that? By the way, you and me. I mean, scripturally. The Jews killed Christ. You're dumb. Oh, the Romans did. You know, Jews don't even have crucifixion. Stop! He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Who killed Jesus Christ? You did. I did. So we're we're the ones who, who pierced him and everyone else in the world. He died for the sins of the whole world. We've made our peace with that. We've turned, we're on team Jesus. We're all excited about his return. Not everybody is. And this world, you think it's the Antichrist spirit? Now you haven't seen nothing yet. Once a trumpet blows and you and I are out of here, what's going to happen then? It's going to descend into the abyss pretty quick. Okay, I've, my time's gone. We'll, we'll go out of here and singing. A man's going to come up here and let's stand and let's, uh, let's pray. This Christmas kind of stuff, all cherry, you know. <laughs> Let's pray. So I think we're closer to the the second advent of Jesus Christ than the first advent. I don't think we're waiting two hundred, two thousand more years for him to come back. So that's that's my thing. And so we're, we're celebrating his second advent, which could be, as far as you and me. Being standing before him, it could happen any day. It can't happen soon enough to suit me. Let's pray, Father. I, uh, this this is certainly a revelation, an unveiling. Uh, unveil him in our personal lives, Lord. You know, we we want to just discover in a way that we never have before. And we pray that you'd bless our study to that end. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.